So Quinn telling her sister to not take advantage of the benthic treatment was due to Arcel's prior experiences? Don't you think benthic could provide quality pharmaceuticals for her ailment? Even if the components were from elsewhere? Oh, I'm sure they could. A company doesn't go global without having some actual treatments that work, with or without other... properties. But it was too coincidental to be coincidence, especially with the timing in our case. In the crimson light, the G-Man's face seems to darken. Coinkydinks and shit, right? I get it. His jaw tightens, and you think you see a bead of sweat at his temple. Why not delve into things from <clears throat> beyond? His voice cracks just a bit at the end. A loud knock on the door startles both of you. The G-Man stands. I believe this is your dinner. His eyes stare at the mirror. If you'll excuse me while you have your dinner, I have something to attend to. The door opens with a generic uniform guard carrying the tray. The shrimp gumbo aroma arrives moments before the tray is placed onto the table. Rowan, you see the black-on-black -black watch sitting on the table across from you. Excuse me. Please enjoy your meal. As the G-Man leaves the room, his finger stretches his collar ever so slightly. I watch the door for a moment after it closes behind him, a troubled little frown pulling the corners of my mouth down. I'm not at all sure he's going to come back. Turning my attention to the tray in front of me, my eyes dart to the abandoned watch left carelessly on the table. It's far enough away that if I reach for it, it'll be immediately obvious what I'm doing, but... That's a good girl, my little Sammy. I jolt violently, coming up to my feet with my fists clenched as I looked around the room with wide eyes. Where the hell did that come from? Enjoy Mama's gumbo. I've been listening. Be a good girl. I know that voice. I haven't heard it in years, not in the flesh, but I could never forget it. You're not here. Leave me alone. But you called out to me. I hear it every night. Now enjoy your gumbo. There's no possible way I can eat now. My stomach is growling. The food smells incredible. But I'm positive I'll throw up if I try to have even a single bite. I look around for a moment longer before going back to my seat. As I walk, I accidentally knock against the table, putting my hand down on the watch and palming it into my pocket as I sit down again. I push the tray away from myself and fold my arms over my chest, staring down at the table as I struggle to breathe. After what seems like an eternity, the G-Man re-enters the room. His face is a touch more gaunt than before, his gait less confident. Aw, I had hoped you would enjoy the gumbo. I reassure you, it is very good and quite popular with, um, his eyes look to the mirror again, us. The shrimp were brought in especially from the Sonoran Desert. I appreciate the thought, I say, feeling as if my throat is filled with broken glass. I'm just not hungry. He shakes his head. This was the day of the wake. Can't imagine that was a pleasant experience. You're listening to the Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast.
when we last left our agents, they retired for the evening after having a tumultuous roller coaster of a day of Father's Day in Mustang, Arizona. Quinn had a pretty deep, good sleep, but that was pretty much alcohol-induced. She slept in, didn't make her run like she normally does, and decided to take her morning exercises in the pool. River sleep wasn't all that great. Had nightmares, reoccurring themes, keep popping up, was restless, tossing and turning and sweating, and just not a good night's rest. Rowan participated in her meditation rituals and tried to clear her mind, but she uh, slept a restless sleep. It was okay, but it wasn't outstanding, and she was able to get up on time and went for a run. Rooster went for a run before bed. He hit the treadmill hard, still wearing his Kevlar, not realizing it until after he got off and ready to hit bed before he took his no-go medicine, and he crashed out on the bed. It was sufficient sleep for him. He woke up on time, feeling refreshed, but there was no dreams. There was nothing good, nothing bad. It was just sleep. It was rest. The characters that experienced willpower loss and hit point loss over the past few sessions, that have been recovered completely. Everybody's back up to full health. Maybe River's ankle's a little bit sore, but it's working okay. Today is Friday, June 11th. It is a memorable day for Agents of Arcel, as it is the day of the memorial for Private Ryan, and then the wake thereafter. Everyone has dressed in finer clothes, because they're going to be going to a little bit more of a formal function. How's everybody feeling this morning? Quinn's head is definitely hurting. <laughs> the swim helped at least wake her up a little bit, but um, she's been chugging water this morning and got her... She went with an iced green tea and hoping that caffeine kicks in. And the sunglasses are a godsend right now. And Quinn made sure to check her email, check her phone, make sure there was no update from Kanika. Kanika sent a message first thing in the morning for her that her appointment has been rescheduled for July 7th. Quinn will um, let out a relieved sigh because a good month gives her time. And everyone else? River is uh, a little bit tired, um, more worried. He's going to uh, get ex an extra shot in his coffee this morning. Okay. Rowan wakes up at her usual time to her usual alarm, goes out for her run. She gives it a couple minutes to see if Quinn is going to come join her, but doesn't knock her or anything. Gives her the space that she thinks Quinn might need. Come back, shower, and actually does put on a full, like, three-piece suit. Very sharp FBI looking. Three-piece? Vest and all? Vest and all. She's going to hate everything, but she's Damn. going to be going from AC to AC to AC. And she's going to look fucking fine while doing it. Now, I don't think Rooster has his dress uniforms with him. Probably doesn't have his dress blues. Because uh, you had your sport coat. Yeah, I had the sport coat. I actually debated debated before we started this arc i actually debated whether he was gonna bring it or not and then i did research because i'm not actually a military person about the fact that a funeral would be one of the only places he could use it and then since we were going to a mass murder decided that he was that's fair so you pull out the dress blues you iron them up you're looking all fancy shine the shoes clean shave redo the military cut to clean everything up and take the Kevlar vest off of the balcony rail where he had left it 
to air out overnight because he figures the other three, especially Quinn, already hate him enough that he doesn't need to add hockey bag stank to the car. Luckily, the sun has cleared away any bacteria that may have possibly been alive on that this morning because it just the way that the, the sun was angled at your balcony. Thank you. Luckily, it's not last dark. Quinn and River, what type of uh, clothing are you guys deciding to wear today? Quinn has a pretty simple sleeveless navy dress, you know, something that she would wear, you know, at a conference or even like a nicer interview or anything. Again, usually on these missions, she's being brought in for interviews. So she made sure to have some nicer looking clothes on her. Okay. Uh, River would have a two-piece suit. Oh, okay. You guys gather and uh, you get ready because around 10 o'clock is when the ceremony is going to happen. I presume you guys gather into the vehicle and head to the base, head to the memorial hall where the event will take place. I'll take a look at Rooster and say, well, now I feel underdressed. You're looking good. I can clean up, believe it or not. Yeah, Quinn looks at him pretty impressed as well. The thing that really stands out on his uniform, besides the gunnery sergeant stripes, is the Purple Heart medal. And the others don't know this necessarily, but there's only one because the other two were classified and never officially given. And just to make sure that this is said, Rowan is wearing her Kevlar under her suit. It's cut in such a way that she can wear it under her suit without printing. Who's driving? Who else? Who else? Okay. <laughs> Even Quinn knows that at this point. Who, who else is exactly the correct answer? Listeners can't see my sheepish shrug. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan is technically the better driver. However, she knows that, that Rooster needs, needs to be the driver for various reasons. And she knows why. She does. So, Rooster, you sit down and you hand your cover over to Rowan, who make sure that she takes care of it almost a sacred item the trip to the airbase is pretty quick there's a little bit of traffic this morning as it's friday morning and there's friday a bit of friday traffic and folks are leaving and heading out west as this is one of the major thoroughfares to get to california from arizona you arrive at the base and the private that is manning the booth nods and uh, asks you your business I'll pass my FBI badge over to him and say, we are here for Private Ryan's memorial. He looks in. Oh, all right, go on through. Go on through, Gunny. I'll nod and just move on in. And off we go. The memorial building is not a very large building. It's a one-story building that's fairly long, but it still seems to hide here. There are flowers and some cultivation outside. There are a bunch of cars in the parking lot, and you see that there are uh, quite a few Marines here, obviously, in their dress blues, milling about, talking to each other. They're in uh, like a casual mode themselves, but in very formal dress. You park the car, and the double white doors are closed, and as you get a little bit closer, you can feel the air conditioning from within. There is a solemnity here that is just very strong. Those of you that have experienced a military funeral, there are rituals that just occur, that part of it, that just makes it feel very, very heavy and very solemn. Within the building, there is waiting rooms to the left and to the right, and a uh, viewing room 
ahead and you see that there is a, a sign-in book as well as a few marines there there are two marines standing guard at the door itself with their sabers at their sides as they're in full stiff attention mode i'll glance over at rooster and say very quietly i've been to funerals but i haven't been to a military funeral take the lead i don't want to mess up i'll look at her and say it's a funeral act like it's a funeral and stay out of the way of the swords no i'm not joking and he'll glance downwards at his hip where he is wearing his nco sword on his left hip she'll just nod a little bit filing that away you continue into the into the room and you see that there are chairs set up and most folks here are marines you see the parents of private ryan they're seated in the position of honor mr ryan is a tall fellow, well over six foot tall, still cuts a very physical image. Broad shoulders, narrow waist, he does work out. Mrs. Ryan has a short cut haircut, very utilitarian. She's dressed in black as he's dressed in a black suit as well. He's graying hair, her hair is a nice shade of deep brown. As folks come up and pay respects, they shake their hand and they nod and he stands uh, a few occasions. You see a few Marine officers come in through this time. A priest rises and gives a bit of a speech during this time as you all watch and basically are, are fairly quiet. Once the priest and the chaplain gives their words, some more folks come up and say their respects. Does our cell go up and pay their respects to the private and then to the family? Rooster will. Okay. Anyone else following? I'll follow. Okay. Rowan will come up as well, hanging a little bit back, because as solemn as the occasion is, her first thought is to take as much time as she can to look at the parents to see if they have any of that particular look to them. Not at all. They don't have that look. Okay. Quinn, you see the mother is showing, you know, she's obviously showing distress. She's holding together. But you can tell by her body language that, you know, she's a grieving mom. And even though this happened a little bit ago, she's still, she's feeling it right now. Mr. Ryan is stone cold, very businesslike. His features are actually very sharp as well, but he does not seem to be faltering or waving at all. He shakes hands with a firm grip, you know, up and down and says a few nice words, but is very quiet. He masks very well. Yeah, and I think similar to Rowan, Quinn would have held back as well so that she could observe the parents, probably more to get the information, you know, that you just went through rather than trying to see if they were similar to our Mustang uh, constituents. But then, you know, eventually we'll go pay her respects. When Rooster gets up to the parents, you shake his hand. He looks at you and doesn't say anything, just cocks his head as though it's almost a courtesy of, you know, that you're there, but you don't match any descriptions that he knows. Do I read military or former military from his bearing? Not offhand. Okay. And he's not wearing a uniform or anything? He's not wearing a uniform. No, he is wearing a black single-breasted suit. It is fine quality. They're both dressed fairly well. If they're poor folks... They spent money on these outfits, but you don't think you think that they're actually pretty well off. Right. The other thing is, 
as people have come to pay respects, are they speaking to the parents or just sh- like shaking hands and moving on? Some are saying, some are offering condolences. Um, a couple are taking a, a few moments, but a lot of them are just walking up, shaking hands and, you know, moving on saying, sorry for your loss or may his memory be a blessing and so on. Then what I'll do is as I come up to them, I'll say, he was always faithful and shake their hands and move on. He shakes your hand and he locks gazes with you. You get a feeling of power. And with mother, Mrs. Mrs. Ryan, her handshake is surprisingly firm as well. And she thanks you for coming and moves on. And then Mr. Ryan looks past Rooster and looks at River. And his eyes kind of narrow just a little bit, extends his hand, you know, to meet yours. Did you know my son? I served with one of his squad mates who spoke incredibly highly of him. On her recommendation, I had to be here. Thank you for coming. And he looks back at River. And you? I'm terribly sorry for your loss. I am involved in the investigation. You see, a break in his demeanor just a little bit. A little bit more of shock. He shakes her hand. Um, may we talk after this? I would like that. Then he sees Rowan, because Rowan's coming up after River. He looks up and down. The FBI's involved. We are indeed. I'm Special Agent Redacted, Mr. Ryan, and I'm terribly sorry for your loss, and I'm doing everything in my power to find out what happened. I'll offer my hand a shake. He shakes your hand. We will uh, talk in a bit. Certainly. He's wearing a class ring. At glance, I'm going to say that you guys did see it. It's Miskatonic University. Never heard of it. It's a small liberal arts college in, in Massachusetts. Quinn's following up? Yep. After a, f- a little bit, you've seen him before. Okay. You've seen him before in Washington, D.C. Does she remember in what context? He's former CIA. But how would she know that? So he had, he, he's been through Langley and through the, just the general Georgetown area. And when you've been called to, you know, different cases beforehand and when you've worked with agents, mm-hmm. you've seen him around. You've never met him, but you've seen him before. And probably people who I was with said, that's so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. So for a split second, she'll make that realization and be taken aback a little bit and then quickly try to cover the look. Sorry for your loss. He looks at you. Thank you. Have we met? Well, not exactly. You looked a little familiar. I'm from the D.C. area. Oh, that explains quite a bit. Smaller town than people think, right? Especially in some of the circles that we run in. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. He looks at Rowan and looks at River and just nods. Thank you for coming. Once we've gone through the line, I'll actually like take a moment to pause in front of the urn and whisper a prayer to a god I'm not sure I actually believe in anymore, but hope anyway that this kid gets some rest and then slip away to the back of the memorial hall waiting for Mr. Ryan and Mrs. Ryan to finish talking to everyone when they have time to talk to us. I'm in AC. I'm comfortable. I'm not going anywhere. But while we're waiting, Quentin will whisper at least to Rowan. He's CIA, or at least former CIA. Oh, that explains a few things. Alright. Well, let's hope that if there are any secrets that he is a little worse at hiding them than the usual CIA agent. Rowan's worked with a few CIA, and she she thinks of them as the, being the, the tough nuts. 
You see the honor guard come up as well and present the flag to his family and its members of Ortega's crew. You see Ortega's there. Everybody's dressed in their dress blues. People start to file out. One of the things that drives home is the playing of taps and the presenting of the flag. The bugle, while it's in this room here, the bugle is played and it is played loudly, but it doesn't seem as though that it is out of place by playing it indoors here. No matter how hard you try, you get shivers with the playing of taps. Everyone heads out to the outside. For the most part, everyone inside has their cover in in their hand, and as soon as they step outside, on comes the hat. People are kind of talking and speaking a little bit more in jovial themes outside. Uh, Some folks are kind of joking about there's a little bit of a gallows humor, trying to break the tension, kind of what you find at a lot of funerals. They all start to head out. You take the hint and kind of head out as well. Yeah, but stick close to the door so that the Ryans can find us pretty easily. Ortega and crew are the last ones to leave besides the family. Ortega comes out. Wow, you dress up real nice. I'm surprised it still fits to Rooster. I kind of glance down at my arms and go, You're right, I have put on muscle. You have to get it taken out because you're all swole. Something like that. Hi, guys. Hey, Ortega. Thank you guys for coming. This was It means a lot to me. I was honored to be invited. Thank you for extending the invitation. Did you guys find out anything else? We're working on it. Okay. Because, yeah, we want to help. I talked I talked with everybody else on the team, and everybody wants to uh, do what we can. We might be able to talk a little bit more about that later tonight, when we're a little more dressed down. All right. It sounds like a plan. Uh, we're going to meet up about 1, 1.30, so not too long. All right. We're going to be staying chatting with the Ryans for a moment. All right. Well, we have some important business to do. We're on guard, but... We'll be ready there about 1.30. We'll be at Sunny's. A hot dog. I'll, I'll text you the address. Of course. This is not dress blues appropriate, I take it? No. Blue jeans. In this heat? Yeah, can't you take it? <laughs> Aww. Is it too hot? You'll get yours. I get mine all the time. Whenever I want it. Right. So what you're saying is I need to take it out on your young stud, huh? <sighs> She shakes her head. I have important things to do. You go play soldier. As she walks away, I'm going to say, not yelling after her, but just a little louder to make sure the couple of the squad mates nearby go, important things to do. Is that what we're calling it these days? A couple of them giggle. And you hear one of them like, who the hell's that? As soon as they do, I give them just Sergeant Glare. They stop. They kind of, And Rowan very firmly restrains the urge to punch him in the shoulder for that. Not appropriate. Not when I'm on duty. I'm going to look at her and go, rule one, privates always deserve it. She isn't a private. I'm talking about the other ones. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, just sitting and waiting, hands clasped behind my back, just waiting for the Ryans to be ready. 
the Ryans come out after a short time. Mr. Ryan reaches into his suit jacket, pulls out a pack of cigarettes, lights one, steps away from the door. He kind of, he's measuring his steps away from the door, gives a come here motion to the four of you. Yes, sir. I don't say that out loud, but it's definitely in the back of Rowan's brain. Walk over towards him. So, uh, I understand that you are, all of you are part of this, uh, investigation. And he looks at Rooster kind of, uh, like, sideways a little bit. Yes, me too. Yes, he is part of my team. Okay. Looks like you've got to set up a pretty good squad here. They're some of the best at what they do. Mm-hmm. You got a hitter, you got an egghead, and a shrink. Good people to have around in these sorts of circumstances. Yeah, but all right. Forgive me. My name's John Ryan. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Ryan. As I said, I'm Special Agent Redacted. I was a uh, CIA officer for for quite a few years, and uh, some things some things you pick up on when you uh, pay attention and you people watch. What sort of things are you referring to? That, well, it looks looks over at Rowan and that she's a FBI agent. You can tell by the cut of the suit, they all kind of seem to go to the same tailor, no matter what city you're in. The tailor cuts it exactly the same. Another thing tipped me off is I'm I'm somewhat familiar with your work. I'm, I don't recall your name. I don't think I've ever caught your name, though. And he looks at Quinn. Ah, uh, yes, Dr. Redacted. I've probably worked with a few, or at least consulted with a few of your colleagues in my time. Yeah, I think so. And I think that you know Dr. Redacted, meaning Inez. Yeah. And Rowan can like raise an eyebrow a little bit. You I can't place, but I presume kind of looks you up and down. You're not a cop. You don't move like a spook or a spy, but you definitely work for the federal government somehow because you've got moderate, uh, moderate income, mid-level DEA. No, you're not. A, I don't think you're a cop. So I don't think you're Border Patrol either or Homeland Security. You've got quite these Sherlock Holmes vibe going there, don't you? And uh, River's going to take out his wallet and pull out his business card and the little card with the green triangle on it and flash that and then say, oh, sorry, and then hand the uh, business card to him. I'm watching Mr. Ryan to see how he responds to seeing the green triangle because he's too sharp to have missed that. He straightens up a little bit. Hmm. Oh. As he starts to say, oh, you see his shoulders slump a little bit. Oh. All of you? Yes. They are part of my team. Glance over at the note card that River had in the back at him. <sighs> yeah. What does my son have to do with that? How much do you know about that? Enough. Does the name Dagon mean anything to you? Motherfucker. And he throws down the cigarette, turns around on his heel, and does like a pacing two-step. As he does that, I'm going to lean, kind of cock my head at Rowan. I like him. Yeah. Where is Mrs. Ryan during all this? She's speaking to a couple other folks that are, uh, like a couple of the Marines that are there. Okay. And some other folks so that are dressed in um, uh, casual. So she's not noticing any of this? No. Not that you're aware of. Actually. Yeah. Quinn probably is keeping an eye. Quinn, you do see that she does see him do that, but she does not let it be known. She knows not to ask questions, or at least not to interrupt him. Well, when you're the wife of a spook. He turns back around. What the hell does Dagon have to do with my son? 
It looks like it was a cult of Dagon that did the killing. And we are trying to figure out how it is connected to your son. We've been finding a lot of ties back to Innsmouth. <sighs> You're older than I am in, in the spook business, and you know about us. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Have you come in contact with us? No, I have not. I have not, but my father was an FBI agent and took part in a raid in the late 20s. Did that raid happen to be with ONI? Yes. Ah. I happen to see those files because of my job, because I had to take care of a few things, and I have worked with Inez a few times as well. Hmm. It's an interesting coincidence, because apparently uh, some prisoners captured in the 20s were brought to a facility near here. The 2020s or the 1920s? 1920s. Including a fellow, a fellow named Marsh. That name should be important, yes. One of the founders of the group that that particular raid happened against was named Marsh. Obed. The founder, in fact. Mm. You'll have to forgive me, it's not something that I'm... I, some things you remember, some things just kind of just go away, especially after doing this for 40 years. <sighs> okay. So, do you think that this is revenge of sorts against your father? Sins of the father paid upon the children, yes. I suppose so. Yeah, doesn't that go on about something about the third generation? Because <sighs> then it would be the third generation would have, would have been my granddaughter. Yes. You think it was a... What can you tell me? And I'm going to consider that for a moment and consider the fact that this is someone who has held these sorts of secrets for 40 years. And I will pull out my, my phone and I will very carefully show him the picture of what was carved into the wall. I was careful to focus on just that without getting any of the blood in there. Mm -hmm. I will show him that and then I will tell him it was ritualistic. Everyone in that building was stabbed a specific number of times in specific places. Yeah. You would think that being so far out here that that would not come out like so far away from from there but they were very close to the place where the prisoners were taken very close within walking distance do we know who did it we have a good idea we have some ideas but a lot of it is tracing back to someone who's a ghost we're still figuring that out not a literal you know what i mean yeah, they're working with assets to do different things. It's almost as though there's a handler involved. It certainly seems to, to be that way. We have been encountering people who have been brainwashed, for lack of a better term. Which, cultists, not terribly surprising. So that's why you're here. And he looks at Quinn. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to think of all this. To be honest, we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. Oh man, I'm... There's no way I could have known. No. There's no way he would have known. There's no way my dad would have known. None of this is your fault, sir. Or his. We say that, but sometimes, you know, your brain thinks different things. I know. Better than a lot, I know. But sometimes you have to hear the words from someone else to hold up as a shield against the dark. That's true. So I've worked with a couple of your folks providing some support. Now, obviously, the CIA's official position is that we don't do any operations here on United States soil. Of course. 
but there are times when we can lend some of our expertise to to some folks so i've got a basic understanding of what's going on or what's not going on that there's just more out there and my dad was involved in some things and you hear things all right i um i need to take my son home yes sir i hope that you could bring the killers to justice whether you do it your way and looks at rowan or your way and looks at rooster i narrow my eyes a bit at that just in understanding when it comes to matters like this sir sometimes the two are more closely related yeah and i'll actually reach into my little card portfolio and pull out my card and offer it to him if you come across anything when you go back home anything that your father may have written down that he wasn't supposed to have any information is useful okay shit (sighs) he takes a deep breath and squares up and appears to grow maybe an inch or so as he was deflated during that conversation thank you we are gonna be in town a bit hopefully we can talk again and we'll meet up with the police and hopefully you'll have some good information for us hopefully is there a number that i can reach you at while you are here in town in case we find anything i've got your phone number fair enough if you'll excuse me thank you for coming it means a lot to my wife and to me. And uh, he strides back to his wife and greets his wife with a hug and gives her a kiss on the head And uh, as they embrace a little bit. They talk to a couple other folks that are there. It looks like they're talking to some people that maybe have gone to boot camp that weren't necessarily part of the squad. You know, other folks that, that knew Private Ryan. So do we think this was a revenge thing? The phrase, too coincidental to be coincidence, occurs to me again. His father was directly involved in Project Covenant. Would I feel like he was holding anything back? Give me a U-Mint roll. Ah. Nice. May I may I join him on that? Yeah. Yes. I think Quinn. Go for it. We're, Go we're for it. Everybody. Everybody <laughs> break free the dice. Let oh my roll. god. 38. Hold. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did you Quinn make rolled it? a three. Nice. Did I actually make it human your human is 12 i think oh i rolled a third i rolled a 13 (laughs) (laughs) so sad i made it but only just rooster he's very hard to read the rest of you he is not telling you everything but you don't feel as though that it's out of a malevolence it seems it's more stock and trade for him to kind of keep secret. And his breakdown in the beginning was more of a tell than anything. Yeah. He did seem sincere in everything that he mentioned. He is he is holding back something. You're not entirely sure what, but there's more there. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it alone for the moment just because... I mean, Rowan will never admit this, but he scares her because <laughs> this is someone who is, who is an old CIA agent. You don't get old without being canny. He's very canny and very perceptive. And could probably kill her with his bare hands if he was so inclined. And she's good at hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> that wasn't his forte, but you never know. CIA agents, I just assume that they can all kill people with their bare hands. Man, maybe it's a pen. Yeah. <laughs> with a deliberate click that does something. I'll click you. So our cell is gathered there in the parking lot. You have about an hour or two before the get-together at Sonny's Bar. Well, if we are going to awake, we should have some solid carbs in us first. 
first stop is the hotel to change. Yeah. So, hotel, some drive-through, maybe we have time for a sit-down meal. Well, you do have coupons or vouchers for food still. Oh, oh yes. we do? Yeah. Oh, we have so many because uh, Mr. Hernandez does not want the federal government being pissed at him, specifically. Nice. So you guys get some grub, maybe at the hotel or whatnot. You you get dressed into more comfortable clothing. Are we still wearing our Kevlar to the bar? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've gotten to the point where things are escalating too quickly. I don't feel safe leaving the hotel without it on, to be perfectly frank. Yeah. Quinn didn't initially put it on because she didn't have it on at the funeral. But I think as she she walks out the door and everyone walks out and she notices how bulky people are, she (laughs) will say, oh, okay. And she'll go back in, put hers on. Yeah, Rowan's in long shorts, long jean shorts and tennis shoes with a loose blouse covering her Kevlar. Rooster's in the Nathan Drake outfit, but he's also got um, a zip-up hoodie under his arm because he's gonna walk in looking like he doesn't care about the heat just to stick it to Ortega. And River's back in his usual uh, cargo pants and uh, normal button shirt. Okay. Yeah, and since she had to put the Kevlar on, she Quinn is wearing a looser linen shirt and just some, like, cropped, lightweight pants. But yeah, get ourselves kitted up and ready to go to the bar. One thing that Rowan would check, I mean, she has a federal badge that will get her gun pretty much everywhere, but she wants to, to see if she's going to have trouble walking into a bar because Arizona is an open carry state, but I don't know about places that are mostly alcohol sales. If there is a sign on the door about carrying a firearm into the building, then you must abide by it. Now, obviously, if you have a badge, that's another story. But the general restriction is if there's a sign that says uh, no firearms allowed, no firearms allowed. I would do some quick research because I would imagine that an organization like the NRA or something local would would have lists. I would look around and do some research to see if Sunny's has a sign like that just because... I have a badge. I can get in pretty much everywhere. I want to make sure that I'm not the only one armed. So you see a picture on Yelp of the front door of Sonny's. There is a sign that says no firearms allowed. Shit. (sighs) All right. I'll break the news to the team. That just means in the open, right? Look. No, you know what? Do you have a good concealable holster? I just look at her. It's not a stupid question. I know you. You were carrying your pistol in your cargo pants pocket. It is a legitimate question. Hold on. Did you just fumble that? I got a 99 on a luck roll. So, no. I Or actually, yes, I do have a good concealable holster. I brought the shoulder rig. The concealable one is in the hotel room, apparently. Shoulder rigs are not concealable. Like I said... The good concealable one on a 99 is still in the hotel room. How's about we turn around and go get that? Because I can get in with a badge. Legally, the rest of you can't. Fashionably late, huh? I've got a badge. And as soon as he says that, I turn around. Honestly, we should be fine. I say wincing. Yeah, how about not? So you guys head back to the hotel. Rooster, you're tearing through your stuff. You can't find it. And then you pinch the bridge of your nose while you're thinking and you're like, oh, yeah, 
it sitting on top of penthouse magazines from 1970 with fish heads on it, you do not have a concealable holster with you. No, 1969, the 71. 1969, that's right. The 19- 71 was the kids I stole. It's the brand new one. Yeah, all right, yeah. the 1969. And you can see exactly where it's at. At least it's not at Natalie's. <laughs> Accurate. I do have a concealable holster. That's just part of my gear. So I'll, I'll put it into the into the waistband at the small of my back. It will not be easy to get to because Kevlar, but I will have it. So you don't want me to just flash my badge? I would prefer to draw as little attention to ourselves as possible. If someone who knows what they're doing looks at us, they will print that we're wearing Kevlar. I'd prefer to avoid any more attention than that. I assume we've met back up and I'm going to say, can we stop at Walmart? Why do you sound like my nephew? Um, yeah, I do have a good concealable holster. Go on. In California. Where it's doing so much good. The holster is concealed. Well, you know what? I will give you that. Um, does Walmart have good concealable holsters? Really? Not really. They have the flat packs. Those those things are not super concealed. I'm not walking into a marine bar with a fanny pack. I mean, we are going to be in a bar full of Marines who I, I think are friendly to us. At worst, you know McMap, don't you, Rooster? I nod. Y'all should be able to handle someone someone with a gun if you absolutely had to. Yeah, I can take him. I know, it's your security blanket. Well, pistol's the security blanket, but I'd still prefer to be 300 yards away with a rifle and a good scope. All right, we're wasting daylight at this point. I have a gun on me, and let's hope that we don't need that. Question. Didn't Arizona recently legalize open carry of knives of any length? Yeah, you can carry a knife. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no, I'm just going to strap the K-bar to my belt and then put another couple of smaller ones elsewhere on my body. Maybe you should have brought the sword. No, not a marine dress sword. So you guys gather your, your weapons and your, you put on your armor to go to a wake at a bar. And no, I am leaving my gun in the car. All right. So you guys arrive at Sonny's after you guys sorted your shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our cell. <laughs> Where we spell prepared with a capital R. Yeah. It's a typical bar, white siding on the outside, a little bit of like fake brick facade out front. There are signs for different beer companies on the outside. There's a big Budweiser sign that says, Welcome Marines, Yuma, all that type of thing. Some neon lights in the window. The door opens up and inside it's pretty dark and there's a couple pool tables. There's music playing in the background. The smell of beer just kind of washes out of this place. It's not necessarily an unpleasant smell. It smells like a bar. You hear, hey, hot dog, you made it. As Ortega comes walking up, you know, striding to the door. Told you we'd be here. Just had to show up fashionably late. It's how it works. Uh, at least you're late. I wouldn't... She looks you up and down. I wouldn't say fashionable at all. Yeah, well, you saw me earlier. It has to go in uh, short bursts. Yeah. Can't let people start thinking I'm actually presentable. She takes your finger and she flicks it against your chest. And it makes a thud noise. All right. I'm just going to look at her and go, I'm flexing. Uh, hmm. All right, whatever. And then I'll kind of lean down as though I'm giving her a hug and go, we're getting closer. Gotcha. Well, guys, uh, we've got a couple pitchers of beer. Grab a glass. Let me introduce you to everybody. All right. Thank you. So she walks you guys over. 
she points out two folks that are sitting down. Those two, two of them are our riflemen. That's Lance Corporal. That's Mo, uh, Mo Hussein. He nods. That's Drew, uh, Drew Hipoff. He gives you a thumbs up. Points over at a guy standing up against the wall who's talking to another one. That's Alvin. Alvin's another automatic rifleman. He's talking to one of our favorite people that blows shit up. That's Logan Reynolds, Lance Corporal. And uh, that over there, that's PFC Bronco. And uh, the team leads are kind of back there. They're keeping away. This is uh, Corporal Ezra. He's one of the fire team leaders. The other one, that's uh, Nuke. She's Ukrainian. She came from Kiev. What's she doing here? She joined, she joined up. Cool. Over there, there's the assistant squaddy. That is Puzia. Over there, there is the squad leader. That's Cookie. Staff Sergeant uh, Thomas Cook. After that long laundry list, Quinn will just raise her eyebrows and then say that the group, I hope there's not a quiz afterwards. Oh, but we've got three more. That over there, the two riflemen, that's Ashley Ripley, Private Ashley Ripley. Over there, that's uh, Private Parker Robertson. And hey, points over to guy down at the end, goes, that's uh, Corporal Jordan Cogswell. He's our designated marksman. I'll look at her and go, well, workadays, I'm Special Agent Redacted. You can call me Redacted. And it's, it's my nickname. Everybody's like, hey, what's up? Cheers. What does that Ezra guy do? He's got a kind of crazy look in his eyes. Um, he's a fire team leader. He's actually a boss. And he's kind of sitting over there, just looking over at you. He smiles. No, no, no. I think he might need a keeper. Wow, that Puja over there. She got any family in California? She reminds me of this Emma chick I know. Uh, maybe. Oh no, wait! No! I take it back. Not Emma. She reminds me of, uh, what was her name? Emma! The other Emma. How many Emmas do you know? No, or, uh, um, never nope. mind. Nope, I do not mean in the biblical sense. I don't know, her, her family has made sausages in Chicago for a while there. Yeah, not the one I know. The one I knew, uh, was in the circus. She liked to, uh, juggle grenades. Everybody is, like, talking and chatting and getting along. Most of these folks are, are actually very cool folks to talk to. Very down-to-earth. A lot of them are telling, you know, stories about Homer Ryan and, you know, silly shit that he's done and, and shit that everybody else has done and all that whatnot. They seem to pay particular attention to Rooster. Rooster, you have a feeling of being at home. It's a comforting feeling. They're not acting as though that you're a former Marine. They're acting that you're a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. At the end of the bar where the other sharpshooter is, you hear... Rooster immediately pulls out his wallet. A bunch of people start reaching into their pockets as well. Rooster reaches into his pocket, pulls out his wallet, reaches in behind the bills, and uh, plops a coin down on the table. You see a couple other coins come out, and they're all, everybody's kind of standing there, and it's, it turns almost into a nearly a bragging pissing contest of uh, who got the what challenge coin where... Nobody really touches anybody else's coin, but they are kind of peeking at them, looking at to see as to who was awarded from the highest ranked person. Rooster's not going to necessarily say much, but he is just going to sort of lean back with it sitting on the table in the, in the middle of the table. Just lean back smugly and wait for someone to notice his. Cogswell looks over, goes, that one's neat. That one's not even American, is it? Just big shit-eating grin. Because on this side of it, it's got a fox head. And behind it are crossed swords with keys instead of blades. And at the bottom is a British Brigadier General rank badge. 
I'm like, all right, he's not paying. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Like I said, that's that's pretty fantastic. You have to tell the story about that one, maybe. Uh, <laughs> wish I could, but uh, unfortunately, that one can't really talk too much about it. I'll flip it over, and on the other side, you see these crossed sabers and laurel wreaths, and it says uh, Operation Inherent Resolve, which was the combined joint task force multi-nation against ISIL in Syria. You hear across the bar, like on the other side of the bar where you guys are not? Yeah, but he's probably have left his troops there too, like he did in Brazil. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm just going to sort of kind of glance over slowly. Which one is it? Uh, or do you mean which one isn't it? You see that Johnson is there putting back a beer. Christensen is standing there, and he's the one that opened his mouth. Womack is not too far away and talking to Garcia there. I'm going to look at Ortega and go, you know those four? No fucking clue. <sighs> yeah... Remember that, uh, colonel we were talking about before? Took your stripe? Lefty. Yeah. Let's just say those four are made of the same cloth. Oh. She looks down. She just, like, looks all around. Oh. Cookie's not here anymore. Staff sergeant's gone. (laughs) And she kind of gets a twinkle in her eye. I'm gonna look at her. Go... See that one, uh, with the gray in his temples? Looking at Womack? Yeah. Go ask to see his tattoos. Or even better, have Ezra go ask him to see his tattoos. She looks and she goes, oh, this is gonna be good. River's gonna pick up his drink and kind of walk to the side of the room. And then I'll glance at Quinn and Rowan. You two might want to follow him. I'm gonna enjoy myself way too much. And I'll put my coin away. Remember when you said never leave a person behind? Yeah. Your fight's my fight, buddy. And these guys look like they, uh, will be fun. Yeah, that's the Brazil squad. Remember I told you I saw him in Mustang? I thought as much. Hang on a second. And I'm actually going to follow River over, and in the dark of of that corner, I'm going to pull my gun out of its concealable holster and pass it to him like, I don't want to have this on me in a fight. The weapon that you do not have control of is the weapon that the enemy can use against you. Okay, I will attempt to conceal that. <laughs> I'll hand River my K-Bar, and also the other two. And also the other one I didn't tell the rest of them about. Quinn, she's got like an over-his-shoulder bag, and she maybe like started to open it to see if she had room for Rowan's gun. But then when <laughs> Roosters is pulling out all the knives on him, she just shakes her head. If I see her doing that, I will pass my gun to her because I think it'll be easier to hide that in the bag and at least that, then the illegal thing is out of sight. Yeah. So I'll pass my gun to her and let River handle the the knives and just tip her a wink. And then actually, uh, what is the light situation in the building? It's pretty dim in here. Cool. I'm going to take off my glasses. You can see. It's very nice. Now, one of those neon lights that was a motherfucker, but that's another story. Eh, yeah. And I'll actually hand my glasses to Quinn and say... Can you hold on to these for me? They are a bitch and a half to get replaced. Just nod. Thank you. And take extra care to put it carefully in. All right, so suitably suited up, Rowan joins Rooster. Christensen. Ah, so you're coming over to talk. Not just going to run away, huh? So all of you jarheads, you guys should know that 
This guy left his team behind a couple times. Just up and bolted. No leave, no, no, leave no Marine behind, right? Ezra walks over and goes, I heard you got some nice tattoos. To the guy in gray. The guy's like, yeah, what the, what the fuck is it to you? And Ezra's like, I like tattoos. So he pulls up his shirt, and on, on the shirt, it has an eagle, Second Amendment, actually written on his stomach, as well as all lives matter, and two lightning bolts. Within a instant, the tension of this room is broken as you hear the shattering of a glass across someone's forehead. As Ezra grabbed a on-the-rocks glass and uh, made an intimate connection to Womack's temple, and it shattered everywhere and a whole lot of mid-range whiskey getting poured over an open cut as well. I'm going to immediately look at Rowan and go, good thing he didn't see the 6MWE. Oh, lucky for whom? Well, Mac. Hmm. I told you they were the same cloth. Of course they are. You know, I can cut that off you. That's why I like the tattoo. Oh my god, this is the first time we've had to determine an initiative in this arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dexterity to determine arc. So who has what? I have 60. I have 55. Are Quinn and River going to engage? No. Yeah, Quinn would probably hang back okay. and would only jump in if she felt like her team was in trouble. Okay. For my tracking purposes, what are your dexterities, please? 50. Same here. Both 50. are 50, okay. So, Rooster, you see Christensen, the, the skinny shit, the guy that's been kicked out of the army for being a despicable asshole and kind of runner-built. He looks over and sees Ezra clobber Womack. He looks at you, kind of gives a wry smile, hauls back and attempts to punch at you. You have an option. You can fight back or you can choose to dodge. Choosing to dodge means that you won't take, if you succeed in your role in comparison to his, you won't take any damage if you fight back. You both end up taking damage. Now, I'm going to dodge just because I don't want him touching me. It's just kind of gross. All right. So go ahead and roll dodge. He goes ahead and he rolls his attack at you. Success. 38 out of 50. So he swings at you. Swings at you wildly. Actually, it's not so wild. It's it's actually a pretty good hook and tries to punch at you. And you keep backing away and blocking and parrying to get away from Because it's not just one swing. It's more than just that. With that, it comes up to you. Now, you're going to dodge everybody that's coming at you right now. Everybody as in all four of them? If they all come at you, but they're not. So when we get to your turn, which is now, what would you like to do? Honestly, I want to sweep the leg and take him down. All right. So go ahead and give me an un uh, unarmed. 53 of 60. You end up taking him down. He, You sweep the leg. He's now on the ground. You're on the ground with him for the most part. And uh, it's a little bit of a scuffle that's ensuing. Rowan, you see those two go down in a little bit of a hurry. Johnson, who is the size of a uh, Division I linebacker, is running up and is about to give a good kick to Rooster. Well, can't have that happening. Is it my turn? It is your turn. Wonderful. If he's distracted focusing on Rooster, I'm going to whirl around and almost like a dancer's pirouette, step forward quickly and go for a couple of really sharp punches to the kidneys. Okay. Go and roll to attack. <laughs> 55 out of 63. Yes. And he rolled a 91. All right. So he does not actually hit Rooster, but he, we do get damage. And since you rolled uh, critical, double your damage. All right. What is the damage for a uh, punch? I don't remember this. I'm sorry. 1d3. 1d3. All right. 
So it's it's double the damage, so four. Okay. All right. So yeah, get a couple <clears throat> shots in. He looks at you, and the hell are you doing? And I wind up again like that one's mine. To get to him, you're gonna have to go through me. Fuck you. Garcia heads over, and um, next thing you know, Garcia is flying through the air as Ortega gave him a very nice hip toss, holding onto his arm as he hits one of the tables and slides down, lets out a grunt. You hear the sound of punches being laid into someone's face and chest on the other side of the bar. You can't see what's going on with Ezra and Womack. Yeah, it looks like Corporal Denny is uh, getting his shots in. River and Quinn, this is all happening so fast. A table gets pitched out from underneath somebody. Some of the other Marines are kind of like stepping back and just like looking. Somebody has a pool cue and somebody else has a cue ball in their hand. Just watching. Improvised weapons are fun. I figure at least a few people are trading bets. They haven't gotten there yet. This has been kind of fast, so you know. Quinn is keeping an eye on her team, but also, I mean, she knows who the bad guys are. So she also wants to make sure that none of them are trying to be... Like, sneaky. So Christensen is trying to wriggle his way out of your... You're holding him down. Of course he is, down, the slimy little fucker. All right, so I love these dice. These are oh. fantastic dice. Are they the Saguaro? Yes. Oh, excuse me. The Seguro? <laughs> these are the Delta Green dice. I don't care. Yep. But they're good for my players, because I rolled a 97. Yes! Um, He's not able to get free of your grasp. So that means this round, what would you like to do? Whatever you like to do to this fellow, you get a plus 20%. So what I want to do is grab his head, slam it against the concrete, and while he's dazed, reach up, grab a bottle, and just hit him right in the noggin while he's prone against the floor. Give me an unarmed roll. 55 out of 80. Yeah. You do that. You slam his head off the ground. You reach up. You grab the bottle. And it bounces off his head. It doesn't break. Oh, no. Of course not. Because that's hard to break that. Go ahead and roll damage for me. Yes, I finally get to roll my D3. Yep. Guess what? A one? Three. Three. So you did six points of damage to him. When you crowned him with a beer bottle, his eyes go real wide and his pupils get real small. Do they roll back? Yeah, he's not here right now. Excellent. Rowan, the the big linebacker guy, Johnson, just tries to throw you off. This guy is pretty bulky and girthy, and he's actually just trying to throw you against the chair or against something out of the way. Do you wish to fight back or do you wish to dodge? I want to dodge under his hands, basically, and try to and try to come up the other side and plant my feet ready to go again. Okay, give me a dodge roll. Ought three. All nice. right. In this, you want to be a little bit closer to your Mm. higher number. So he tosses you away, actually, to the bar as you slept underneath him. He ended up changing positions and ends up tipping you tits over tea kettle over the top of the bar for two points of damage as you collapse into the ice bucket and then pitch over onto the floor behind the bar. And the bartender's like, hey, you're not supposed to be back here. Just look up at him. Kiss, kiss, put it on my tab as I heave myself back up. I'm actually grabbing for a bucket as I go. Okay. All right. You've got a bucket and it's your action. I'm going to put a bucket on top of him. Are you that Alaskan of, of a hockey style fan? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. I want to spring that at him and yeah, like 
I mean, he's taller than I am, but I can reach and like jump, reach, slam it down on top of his head and then let, just ring that bell real good. Okay, go ahead and give me a, uh, give me an attack roll. Is it a metal bucket? Yeah, it's a metal bucket. It's Corona bucket that you put Corona. Oh, in. okay. Cause I was imagining like a plastic wash bucket. Oh yeah. Is it? Oh yeah. Bucket? No, the metal buckets are a lot easier to grab because those are used for tip buckets. Ah. Yeah. Uh, that was a 45 out of 63. All right. So you put it over the top of his head and just slam it into him. Now, give me roll for damage, but this damage is going to be minus one because it's not doing a ton of damage. It's kind of more because you're putting it over his head, right? Yeah. Uh, my aim is to try and disorient him by basically like clapping my, my hands on the side of his ears, but with a bucket. Okay. Uh, so that is one point of damage. Okay. He kind of shakes his head and he's going to throw this off, you know, next round. Rooster, Christensen's out. Ortega has knee on belly on Garcia, holding him by his lapels, being like, you picked the wrong bar, dude. And Johnson's got a bucket on his head. Can I see Womack? Or is Denny just taking the ever-loving, righteous shit out of him? You're hearing a lot of thudding coming from the other side. Multiple punches landing. In that case, who's closest to me? Uh, Johnson. Johnson? Good. Buckethead. Okay. Well, he's not a jarhead, so... I want to grab that pool cue out of the guy's hand. And Actually, you reach back for the pool cue and it's placed in your hand. Now, I'm smart enough to know you don't hit someone with a pool cue, but I'm also nice enough that I'll turn the fat end towards Johnson and then just in perfect SCA pike form, shot straight forward into a solar plexus with that pool cue. Okay. So I'm not actually going to stab him with it. Right. But I'm still going to do a whole lot of damage with an inch-wide thing. So go ahead and give me a uh, attack roll. Damage on this is going to be 1d4 minus 1. This is melee. Or you can use your 1d3. Yeah, melee weapons. Ah, damn it. No. What'd you get? 86. If we added 20 to your skill, would you hit? No. Okay, because he's got the bucket on his head. Uh, that would only be a 71. He's flailing around as you're trying to jab him in the gut, and it just doesn't connect. He ends up getting the bucket off of his head. He heaves the bucket at you. So. I will dodge. <laughs> Ooh! Better dodge good, huh? Better dodge real good. <laughs> 44 yes. out of 50. He rolled a 44 out of 60. You're closer. Yep. I was closer. You're able to get your hands up at the very right moment, and you cut it like a dodgeball. There's this loud clang as my hands just like close around it. Mm -hmm. And it's like lower it and look at him and grin. What do you want to do? Uh, is there a bar stool anywhere near me? No, you're on the you're on the bartender side of the bar. Am I? Oh, I thought I was on the other side to get the bucket on him. Yes. Sorry. My mistake. Yes. You said you popped over. My apologies. Yes, there is a, a bar stool. Okay. Then I want to throw the bucket to like catch his eye and draw and draw it away. And then as I'm coming down from throwing it, grab the barstool by the legs and swing it up at him. Give me a melee plus 10% because we'll get you the 10% for the distraction from the bucket. Plus 10. Cool, 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 cool. Wouldn't have made it without that 10. 52%. You hit him with that. Um, it, so give me a uh, 1d6 minus one roll. Take it. Four. Okay. It smashes over him and he collapses to his knees. He's not out, but he's hurting. River and Quinn, because you two are kind of sitting there. Logan pops over. Should I throw anything at them now? I think they're doing okay. Here, this is Loki. And she pours a drink out of a canteen. It's an outside drink. We don't want to talk about that. Shh. 
Quinn just says, I might wait till after the fight to drink. She takes a sip of the, the thing. You do you, boo-boo. I want, yeah, I want to take a sniff of it. Oh, it smells like cinnamon. It smells good. It smells dangerous. Tiny sip. Is good. Rooster, he's down on the ground. Johnson's got a bar stool smashed over him. What would you like to do? He's got a bar stool smashed over him. Is anything else within reach? Yeah, depending on how much damage you want to do to the bar or to you or to him, pretty much anything's in reach. Hanging lights, all that kind of stuff. Or you could possibly subdue him with a rear naked choke. He's down. Honestly, I want to just step on his throat and just push. All right. You pin him to the ground. He, we're not going to need to worry about a roll or anything on that. No, I mean, not just to hold him, like on his throat and just push and, and watch him sputter. He's turning a pretty color purple. You notice that the fighting has kind of stopped. Rooster? I'll look down at him and go, You ready to talk, asshole? <laughs> Choke once for yes, twice for no. <laughs> I lift my foot a little bit so he can breathe, but my foot's still on him. I look back at River. I'm not gonna kill him. Thumbs up. And then I look back at him and go, Unlike the ones you sent back in Brazil... Oh, I'm sorry, did you forget about Black and Carl and Frederick? He doesn't say anything, he's just kind of, he kind of grunts. Oh, sorry, I couldn't hear you. Do I need to press down a little harder? No, no, no. That's what I thought. I'm, I'll take my foot off him. Has the fighting stopped now? Yes, the fighting has stopped. Okay. Hey, Doc, you want to uh, help redact it out there? And I, I go over to uh, the first guy that uh, Rooster knocked out and say, I think my skills will be good enough for this uh, piece of trash. And I want to check off a first aid roll. I'm going to laugh if you make this. No, 49 out of uh, 13. Okay, go ahead About and put 12. a check mark in your first aid. Go for it. All right, so River, you, this dude, he's knocked out. He has a concussion. He actually has a small divot in his forehead. Yeah, this guy should oh. probably go to the hospital. I look over. His head's hard enough. He'll survive. It's not as hard as it used to be. Good. I'll take stock of how the rest of things are looking. The person that Denny went after. Um. So you see Denny's actually dragging this guy. Now, Denny's not a very tall person at all, but he makes for it up in Moxie. It's the small ones you got to watch out for. Yeah. He's dragging this guy by his shoe. Nazi fucker, get out of my bar. And then just throws him out the door and then closes the door on the guy's legs because he didn't get to throw him out completely. And he keeps trying to close the door. Oh, your legs are there. My bad. I want to yell at him. Bring him back in. He's the leader. Then you can throw him out again later. All right. So he drags him in and bounces him off the interior door jam. And probably every, like, table that he passes, his head bounces off of something. He just brings him in just enough and closes the door and locks the door. The bartender's like, hey, you can't do that. And he looks at him. Just looks. And I'll put the pieces of the bar stool down and, and like, rub the back of my head where I landed pretty bad. Just like, now oh, that wasn't pleasant. It's a little bit brighter in here, Rowan. Oh, goody. Just from you knocking your head, it's kind of like, whoa. There's a little bit of a whistle in the air. Oh, wait, no, that's just the ringing in your ears. Yeah, I suspect as much. I'll make my way over to Quinn and be like, can I have those glasses back, please? And actually, as soon as Quinn probably saw Rowan squint, she would have met her halfway. Thank you. I'll put them on, blink a few times, get resettled. Well, that was entertaining. 
Hey, medicine woman, you want to come over here? I could uh, probably use your help with this fucker. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me? Doc? Redacted? Mm-hmm. I'm not so good at telling the who's telling the truth to me. I'm hoping that I don't have to beat it out of him instead. But if I had someone to help me interpret, it might be helpful. Okay. Look down at Johnson. What are you doing here? We're following up on something. You know you're going to have to give me more than that. Yeah. Uh, it, we're still working for Breckenridge. Yeah? How are things going with that since, uh, since everything went down? Okay. Yeah? Yeah. With Trent dead, you know, things changed. Yeah? So what are you following up on in Mustang? What the hell's Mustang? I'm going to lightly kick him. Ugh. We're in Yuma. Why were Womack and Christensen in Mustang? Where the fuck is Mustang? I look at Quinn. As in, does he actually not know? I'm hoping she can have some human intelligence as she reads him. She confuses that look and she she kicks him. Yes! <laughs> yes, I'm corrupting her! <laughs> oh, shit! Stop. Look, I don't... Fine, all human then. <laughs> Go ahead, human. No, no. No, no, please no. <laughs> no, I failed. You already have a check in that. I failed. Quinn will roll. <laughs> 21 out of 60. We were tracking a guy that, that, that came back, and apparently he died. So we don't have anything to do right now. What's the name? Came back from where? How'd he die? Apparently the old coot died of a heart attack in his tub. Name? Uh, Albemarle Marsh. Where'd he come from? Where did he come from? He came back, he said. We came back. Mm. Why were you tracking him? Mm, it's what the, it's what the orders came. We had to find out where he was going. Find out anything? Yeah, we need to find out where his kid is. Name? Uh, Marsh. William. Yeah? Why? I knew, I wasn't given that. I was just told we need to find out where he's at. Apparently he was supposed to come into town. Womack now? He looks over at Womack. Uh, I don't think he knows much right now. You look over and Womack, is, his nose has been flattened and he's going to be breathing out of his mouth for quite some time. You got any leads on the kid? I don't know. Not really. Look at Rowan. What the hell do you want of the kid? We want to know what you want to know have with the kid. I don't fucking know. I just shoot shit, dude. So you were going to shoot the kid? Why? That's what the order said. And you never question orders, do you? Hey. I've got a nice amount that I could go live in Switzerland for quite some time. I like it. I thought your type mostly lived in Argentina. Nope. No, that's only Womack. Hang out with that kind, it makes you that kind. Whatever. I'm not, I don't need this. You don't need this? Guess what? You got it. What else can you tell us? What else helpful? And, he, and he's kind of like, I don't know. Uh, What's going on in Breckenridge now? You said things changed. Yeah, things changed. We went from being a support group and a guard group to a hit group. And uh, Ortega comes over. Oh, this will be interesting. We've got an FBI agent and he's talking about assassinating people. Ain't this lovely. And Rowan just smiles. The slow, slow smile. Does that count as a confession? Technically. I'll crouch down next to the guy, pull out my badge, flash it briefly, stick it back in my pocket. So if you don't want to get arrested for plotting to assassinate someone, you might want to tell me the rest of what you know. The, the kid, we're supposed to, to get rid of him because he's got intelligence. He knows something. 
We don't know what. We just know where his father was, and his father was supposed to be the Link. But unfortunately, the old guy died. Link to what? To the kid. Connect the pieces. Or have you not moved up from Duplos? You're in a bad position to be insulting people. I'm going to look at Quinn. If she doesn't kick him, I, I will. And I go, I build with Legos, motherfucker. A lot better piece selection. Right. I'm going to give you one chance, and only one. You four, as soon as you're out of the hospital, get out of Yuma, get out of Arizona. I don't care what Brickenridge tells you. If I see you around here, I will arrest you. All right. And Christensen kind of stirs too. And Christensen kind of like looks up. How'd I get on the floor? Looks up. Oh, shit, you. I'm going to pick up another beer bottle and hit him in the head again. Okay. This guy's going to have some serious brain damage. All right. You, you hit him in the head. Is he out again? Yes. Okay. You shouldn't do that to somebody who's already concussed. He's bleeding out the ear. Believe me, if he got to talking, you'd feel worse than he does right now. I'll look at Johnson and go, <laughs> She already gave you a chance. I suggest you take it. All right. All right. Let me up. We'll go. I'll stand up and, and step back a step, glancing around to see where Ortega is relative to me, because I, I want her at my back. She's right next to you. Garcia is kind of like stumbling forward and uh, picks up Womack with a shoulder roll. Hey, real quick, one last thing. How's that yellow cough of yours doing? He flips you off as, as he opens up the door, finds it's locked, unlocks the door. Ezra goes, y'all come back now, you hear? Or better not. No, don't come back. Look at Rowan. You know they're going to come back, right? I know. And when they do, they'll point us at William Marsh. And then I'll turn to Ortega. Those were some interesting techniques. Would you mind showing me a couple of those? Oh, yeah. Not a doubt. Real easy. And you're the right size for them, too. Let's let's do this. As they start doing that, I'm going to look at River and Quinn and go, I think it's time to start sleeping in the Kevlar. I trail off, rubbing my temple with my fingertips as I close my eyes. The smell of the shrimp gumbo has permeated the room, giving me a headache, and I'm starting to see double. Sorry, would it be okay if we take a break? I'm... The next part is... a lot. I'd like to get some rest before I delve into that, if that's okay. The G-Man sits forward in his chair. I believe that would be okay. From what I recall, it was an eventful day. Let us adjourn for now. We're in no rush. Take all the time you need. He glances back at the bowl of untouched food and frowns slightly. Standing, the G-Man extends his hand to help you from your chair. Podium. Stifling a yawn, I stick my feet into my shoes and stand with his help. My legs tingle with pins and needles, making me wince. Duh, duh, it's now. The G-Man opens the door with a grand gesture. Sladkayevsnov. That gets a warm smile from me as I put my glasses on and step out the door. Spoken. The hallway light hits harder than usual, making me squint in pain as my glasses darken protectively. The headache is bad enough to make my vision blurry without adding the tears from the light. But I can feel the weight of the watch in my pocket, a link back to the outside world and time. 
When the door closes behind me, I wait an agonizing count of 30 to make sure I'm as alone as I ever am in this place. Then I walk into the bathroom and shut the door. Safe away from the prying eyes of the cameras, I pull the watch out of my pocket and look at it properly for the first time. It's 8 o'clock, on the nose. PM, I have to assume, based on the time markers I've gotten throughout the day. Letting out a shaking breath, I put the watch onto my left wrist. The weight grounds me in a way I haven't felt in God only knows how long. It's not quite right. My watch is chunkier, heavier, but it's a masculine-styled watch, which I tend to prefer. And now, I know what time it is. Lifting my chin a little, I square my shoulders and come out of the bathroom, ready to get some goddamned sleep before diving into the horrors that happened in Mustang. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 2 is based on the scenario Ex Oblivioni by Dennis Detweiler. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Victor Von B., Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, Skelly Lichboy, Tom Padula, and Ben Warner. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redactor Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Join us next week, because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe.